movies coming out talking about spiritual evil things is incredible. Now, I remember horror movies growing up, and they were all that horrible, really. The Blob, anybody remember watching The Blob? If I can't outrun The Blob, then I should not exist, is really the uh, truth to that horror movie. It's not all that, you know, horror filling in me. It's a blob. Look, there it goes. It's still going, still moving. I'm still standing here. Why? I'm dead. You know, it's not, I'm not really, you know, horrified by that. We were listening to the radio uh, this week and the tune, if you've, if you've heard, uh, uh, what is it? Is it um, Fall Out Boy moves like Uma Thurman? Have you heard that song? <laughs> yes, I know that song. Do you know where that bridge comes from? Anybody? Thank you. My kids don't know who the Munsters are. Deidre and I actually determined this week what is the root of all of our issues between each other. Because she never watched the Munsters. She always watched the Adams Family. And I never watched the Adams Family. I always watched the Munsters. So we now have determined this week the central core of all the issues she and I have in our marriage. Not really, but, you know, but it was certainly, it was, it was, it was revealing. But that comes from the monsters. The monsters weren't all that horrifying, right? Today, if you're going to go to a horror movie, what is it about? Evil spirits. Ghosts, demons trying to steal your soul. It is almost every single one of these movies. It's incredible how much Hollywood has tapped into the darkness of evil that exists in our world. You and I live in an evil age. Now, what well, I have never walked through a corridor and seen a ghost come at me. I've never seen that. When I watch Ghost Hunters, I don't watch Ghost Hunters. I think they're the craziest shows on TV. I don't know. Anybody watches them. If you do, more power to you. I watch stuff you probably wouldn't watch. But when I watch them, I'm never freaked out. It never freaks me out. Oh, there's a change in temperature. That happens in my house all the time. We need better duct work. <laughs> all the time it happens. Scary spirits come through our house. That's one of my children late at night. He doesn't realize they're up walking around. They look scary. They talk crazy. But those things don't scare me. But yet in this evil age which you and I live, there is great suffering that exists in the world because of evil. There are great hurts that happen. I am a firm believer that everything that exists in the world is spiritual. Everything that exists is spiritual within this world. Cancer exists because sin exists in the world. Sin is so overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly affective on people that it will change the physical environment in which you live. Cancer being one of those results. Persecution happening in the world. What ISIS is doing around the world. That is, that is the influence of evil on a physical world. That is evil. When we look at someone who dies from a horrible disease, that is evil. If you have a family member that has Alzheimer's, you see that this world is broken and deteriorating and it has a negative effect on people. It doesn't mean that we brought it on ourselves that is the result of living and the fact that evil does exist. It just manifests itself in the world in which we live. Evil does exist. Famine, genocide, abuse, all are results 
of this reality that evil exists in the world. Number two, as I've already mentioned, evil exists because of sin. Understand, it's not evil doesn't exist because of bad people. If that were true, we, we are all bad people at some level. Scripture says, you and I, we have no ability in and of ourselves to be good. Evil does exist because of sin. People who do bad things are motivated by sin happening in their lives. It can happen to any of us. Any one of us can be that person. Any one of us can be involved in those things. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us does. A few weeks ago or a few months ago, we did a series called My Brother's Keeper. We talked about the necessity that we need to judge others. Now, primarily, we're talking about believers, not unbelievers. That's God's role to judge unbelievers. Our role is to judge believers, not to judge in order to say, hey, you are bad and horrible person. You need to be good and nice and great like me. That's not the point of judging a believer. The point is to say you're headed in a place that's going to hurt you. We want to stop that. That doesn't mean that you'll go along with those that are trying to help and be, help hold accountable and help lead to something that's growing. We read over and over the apostles. We read Paul saying, I am here casting judgment for your good, not to hurt you. The reason that we don't judge people who are not believers is because that's who we were. We've been saved by grace, not that we were good in and of ourselves, and they are not. We have been safe through grace. They need to experience that grace. But evil does exist because of sin. Third thing I want you to know about living in an evil age is this, that God is infinitely good in the midst of evil. So Evil does not have to triumph. Good will triumph. It has triumphed. When Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the dead. He destroyed sin even though he exists in a remnant, but without the power that it once had. God is infinitely good, even in the midst of evil. Even so far as to say that God will never, ever lead you to move in the path of evil. James 1 says this, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted... When he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. God is infinitely good. There is nothing evil within God. He is infinitely good. And not only is God infinitely good in the world that is in decay, you and I can be delivered by Jesus. For Paul, wrapping grace and peace up together was wrapped up in the image of Jesus. Jesus was not only the demonstration, but he ushered in this age of grace and peace for those who would accept him. For you and I to be set apart, I believe this is one of the central issues for many of us in the church today. And it's one of the reasons the church is struggling to find its footing in a world that is condemning it. Because it has been built on things other than grace and peace provided by Jesus Christ. The church in many places being built on charisma. It's being built on personalities. It's being built on a way of building an organization or an institution. And it is sometimes hard to determine the difference between church and the world. But when the church is built on a savior, 
then it doesn't need a defense. Because it has already overcome the world through Jesus Christ. See, we are delivered through Jesus from this evil. That doesn't mean that evil doesn't still exist. Even though we are delivered through it. God is infinitely good in the midst of evil. One of the things that I love are stories of good versus evil. Is anybody else? There's actually a story of good versus evil that's about to come out. Somewhat popular in some places. Let's just watch this little clip. All right. Star Wars is yet another indication that the 80s were one of the best times in our nation's existence. The fact that they keep remaking it just demonstrates that this generation is trying so hard to have grown up in the 80s. But it can't happen. All right. Good versus evil is a basic storyline in most every story that has come in an epic form over the last several decades. The, The struggle has been real between good and evil. At the end of Return of the Jedi, there was no need for coming out with the, the precursor to Star Wars. And there really was no need to come up with this follow-up. Because what would happen when Return of the Jedi ended was it left every viewer, maybe wanting more because we love the movies. However, it left every one of us with our imaginations to imagine that good has now overcome evil and now will prosper. Now, what appears to be happening in this movie is somewhere that has been lost. 
and the battle is reignited because every good story has to still have a battle between good and evil. Nobody goes to see a movie and everybody's happy all the time and there's no problem. You can't, re- you can't sell a story like that. What's interesting that's happening in media today is the number of icons that we would have labeled as the good guy being turned into the bad guy. Have you noticed this? All the good guys are becoming bad guys. Now, this is nothing new to some of us who grew up with the WWF. (laughs) Because about every six months, your favorite wrestler became the bad guy. They turned. Sold more tickets, more people went to WrestleMania, and the franchise continues to this day with the same thing. One of the worst times of my life, when Hulk Hogan became a bad guy. At a very young, delicate age, I realized there's nothing sacred in this world. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're accustomed to this battle, right? There's a reason that this is intermingled in all of our stories. It's because it's built inside you and I. This good versus evil is not something that sells books or stories. It's life. You and I live in this continual battle for good versus evil, and it happened long before we ever came on the scene. In fact, if you really want to read through the history of creation, you, you, you can't read it all in Genesis. Because what you'll read later in Scripture is that there was a war in heaven that facilitated the serpent in the garden, pushing Eve to eat from a fruit and Adam to follow suit. There was a war in heaven, and that war in heaven has spilled over into this creation, and you and I now live within this war. Now, we can approach that reality from fear. We can approach that reality from helplessness, or we can approach that reality from victory through Jesus. That's the way Paul approached it. Yes, you are set apart. Yes, you live in a place in a present evil age. You do not have to succumb to that evil age or let that evil age change you. Jesus has the power to do that instead. He can change you for the good. We've got a movie coming out, Batman versus Superman. I can't tell I can't let you know if I'm going to go see it yet. I can't stand when you take our superheroes and you turn them bad. I don't know the whole story yet. I can't stand that. Some of our other shows on TV, Gotham. Did I watch a Gotham watcher? Okay, we got a few people who occasionally watch it, apparently. (laughs) Jim Gordon, one of the heroes of the Batman series, has been tarnished with lots of things, and he's the good guy who's now living in this bad world. It just, this is the way the world works. Because the world wants you to ignore what is good and embrace what is not. To be set apart is to literally say, I live within this world, yet I don't have to live that way. I have an opportunity to communicate something with my life. I don't have to communicate that. I can communicate something better. To be set apart is one of the calls of Christians to say, in this world that is dying and decaying, because even if they haven't recognized Jesus yet, what they can do is recognize suffering. And when they see someone demonstrating the grace and peace that comes through Jesus, it encourages them to experience that grace and peace themselves. 
being set apart is hugely important for us. James 1.13, oh, we've already read that. We were, I'm going to move forward. We're delivered through Jesus. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are, what's the word? Healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He has laid on himself all of these things that are causing so much suffering and pain in this world. He has taken those on. All these choices in which we choose our own way, He has taken on. So how do we live set apart when we're living in an evil age? You cannot live in such a way to avoid the influence of evil in the world. You cannot do it. Let me start with that. You are going to feel that because you are a community people. You, are, you live in communities. You have to interact with others. You have things that interact on your family, in your lives that you have no control over. It is impossible to live in such a way that you have no influence of this evil age in your lives. It is impossible. You are going to experience it. Most of us don't need to be convinced of that. We already know that to be true. You are going to experience it. There is a way you can be set apart from it though. So how do we do that? I believe it begins most crucially with this one concept and it is this, to live humbly. See, the very root of sin is the very root of self-glorification. I want to be held up as the standard. That's exactly why the war in heaven began. As Lucifer, the angel said, I want to be like God. And he got his followers together and they lost And they were cast down. He wanted to be equal. He wanted to be glorified. At least at the same level of God. But ultimately more than God. And and every single one of us is the same need. The same desire. The same urge to be glorified. For people to say, man, Mark is awesome. You guys are just, there's something deep inside of you that wants to say that, right? (laughs) Not really. But you want to say that about ourselves. I'm awesome. More awesome than you. You know, one of the reasons that people are so hurtful to others is because they're so in search of being held as being wonderful. That if they don't feel that they are, if they can make you look worse, they can at least feel more wonderful. Whenever we teach our kids, how do you deal with bullies? We recognize the bully is not representative of strength. The bully is representative of weakness and he needs something. And so you have strength that goes beyond that. Living humbly says, it's not about me. I don't get what I want. It's about God. It's about what he wants. I will serve him. I will be subservient to him. Whatever he leads me, that's what I'm going to go do. Whenever he says, Mark, stay away from that, then I'm going to say, God, are you sure about that? Yes, I'm sure. Okay, I'll try. And when we try to stay away from those things. Being set apart is to say, it's not about me. It's about others. What you'll find is if you know anybody who just has lots and lots of deep, I don't mean lots and lots of shallow relationships, lots and lots of deep, deep, meaningful relationships. Those deep, meaningful relationships come from living humbly and putting others above yourself. You attract people that way. 
You form deep, deep, deep relationships that way. Shallow relationships are often formed by affinity. Deep relationships are formed by giving of ourselves to others. That comes from humility. Jesus in humility came into this world. Jesus in humility said, I will not be who I normally am in this world. I will resist using all of my power and ability within this world. Two places no more evident. His time in the desert when he's being tempted, when he could put a chokehold on Satan, who is trying to get him to trip up, and he says, no, I won't do it. In the garden before he is crucified, in a moment could have changed every circumstance around his torture and killing, but he chose not to out of humility. You and I must live humbly. Not only must we recognize that was the way Jesus lived, we have to embrace it ourselves. Philippians 2 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He, what's the word? Humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Humility is not fun when what your driving force within you is to be glorified. But when you recognize you've been saved from something else, humility comes more naturally. Live humbly. I would encourage you, just as he humbled himself by becoming obedient, we must ourselves become obedient and follow fully. James 1 again says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. He looks at himself, he goes away, and once at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. We have to follow fully by being obedient. It's amazing how you will avoid the snares of the enemy in this world by just following the instructions of Jesus obediently. There are many times we find ourselves in real holes and problems we're not sure how to get out of. But had we made the right choice from the beginning, we would not have found ourselves in that place. The wonderful, amazing, beautiful thing about knowing Jesus is that his grace comes to us even when we've made those bad choices. How many times have we called out for him to rescue us and he has rescued us? Many times have we said, God, I have really got myself in a pickle now. What am I going to do? And he is there. Yet even in those moments, often you'll find that he asks you to obey him through them. And by doing that, you navigate yourself out. Sometimes that gets us into financial problems and I needed that thing and I know I needed that thing and so I'm going to get that thing. I had to have that thing. And then utility bill comes and we may lose our electricity or our water. God, what am I going to do? What we really want is for there to be a computer glitch at the utility board and 
our bill disappears. That's what we want to happen, or even better, how all of a sudden we have a 10-year credit on our utility account of no explanation. Thank you, Lord, you are so good. God is so good to me. Sometimes he says, take that thing you had to have and sell it, and you'll have enough <laughs> to pay your utility bill. Oh, God, it's not what I wanted to hear. Not what I wanted to hear. God often invites us to navigate our way out of these places by just obeying him. We also have to follow fully even when it is painful. Even when it is painful. That peace, remember, that peace that he's talking about is we are now no longer at war with God. Not that we no longer have any issues or that we don't experience pain because you will experience pain. We have to follow fully even then. Matthew 10, this is what Jesus says. I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts, flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, if you ever find yourself wondering, how did those Christians in Egypt cry out to Jesus and be beheaded rather than denounce their faith in Christ? How were they able to do that? We find ourselves in these kind of mental, moral quandaries. If someone were to come in here, similar to the shooting that just happened a few weeks ago, and said, how many of you are Christians? Stand up. How many of us would have stood up in those moments? Those moral quandaries are very difficult for you and I to to address when we're sitting here in the comfort of this place. How would I respond? And yet God says, if you are put in that position and you know me, I will help you through that. It says in verse 19, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, not in the hour before. In that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. In other words, if you watch the clip of those men singing praises to God, that was the father speaking through them. Because you and I are not capable on our own. That is the Father working through us. Follow fully, even when it's painful. And what I would finally say is that if you're going to live set apart and you're going to be different from the world and living in this present evil age, you have to give generously. See, the people of God are generous people because God himself is a generous God. It means we give freely. It doesn't, it's, it's, it, this is not just a financial issue. F- finances, t- they tend to bring stuff really to the surface to really figure out what's going on in our hearts. But generosity, that is not strictly a financial issue. You can live generously even if you don't have much financially. We sometimes think, well, if I had millions of dollars, I would be generous too. But are you generous with the things you do have? Are you generous in your relationships with others? Are you generous in praise and encouragement? Or are you generous in criticism? What are you generous in? Are you generous in building people up, lifting them up, encouraging others? Are you generous in talking about yourself, encouraging yourself, and lifting yourself up?
See, to be set apart is to be different from the world, and the world is not generous. The world takes. But people of God give. And so if you want to be set apart, and you want to experience this thing that Paul's talking about, being sent by the Father, being sent of Jesus, you must embrace giving generously. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. True words. True words. Generous giving is an act of love, not an act of financial accounting. Generous giving is an act of love. John MacArthur said this, Generosity is impossible apart from our love of God and of his people. It's impossible. But with such love, generosity not only is possible, I love this, but is inevitable. God moves you to this this place. You may not know how to be generous, but there's something in you that wants to be. That's God working in you. It is inevitable. Let me encourage you. To generously give of three primary things. Number one, I think is obvious, generously give of yourself. Generously give of yourself. See someone in need, you can help, help. Someone needs to talk, talk. Someone needs encouragement, they're getting beat down in life, stop and encourage. You don't know how to encourage, stop and pay attention to them. You will find where they need to be encouraged. Give generously of yourself. You have a lot to offer. I don't have millions of dollars. Oh, well, you have a lot to offer. The very living God exists within you. You have a lot to offer. God gifts you in some incredible ways. You have a lot to offer. Generously give of yourself. If there's a need, generously give of yourself. And as Proverbs says, you will find yourself being rich. Yet if we withhold... That bitter need for stuff that want takes over and we're never satisfied. As soon as we have something, we've got to have the next thing. And instead of looking at the abundance of what we have, we end up just looking at the abundance of what we don't have, but we want. We become very empty. Second thing I would encourage you to generously give of is God's blessings. What God has given you, pass on to others. When you experience grace, pass grace on to others. When you experience wisdom, pass wisdom on to others. God shows you something, pass it on to others. Christianity is a community faith. We all give to each other. We all need each other. We raise our kids together. We get through life together. We Deal with life problems together. We are a community people. When God blesses you, pass that blessing along. The third thing I would encourage you to generously give of, and maybe you've never thought of it this way, generously give of the gospel. How horrible would it be to have someone who is just being beat up in this present evil age, and yet you have experienced grace and peace, and you withhold. I don't know what they'll think of me. 
I don't really want them to know what's going on inside of me. As we see persecution growing in the world, I'm just going to stay clear of all that stuff. I can navigate my own way over here if I stay under the radar. Generously give of the gospel because when this is all said and done, you and I are going to lose our lives at some point. Maybe we're 115 years old and we die in our sleep and maybe our lives are taken from us by somebody else. But at the end of the day, all the rest of eternity depends on how we've handled the gospel. We received it. When you receive the gospel, you have to give it away. You see people in need. I'm not saying you go to work and you interrupt the, the weekly sales meeting and say, well, I need just need to tell you, you all are going to hell. But Jesus is here for you. Don't do that because then you're going to come asking for help paying your utility bill again. <laughs> but generously share the gospel. One of the ways that we do that, and one of uh, many of you know, one of the reasons that we came to this place and moved into this facility is we wanted to be involved in this community. We wanted to generously give to this community. And as we've been getting our footing kind of getting settled in this place, it is time for us to begin turning some attention to now, okay, we're kind of settled here. We're not perfectly settled, but we're settled. We need to turn our attention to the community in which we moved here for. And so to that end, I'm going to invite Tracy to come up and share just a few minutes some work she's been doing in a relationship with Red Bank Middle School. And uh, some of you know Tracy is on staff with Crew, which once was camp, what was which once was um, Campus, Crusade. Campus Crusade, and then Student Venture, and now Crew. Can't keep up with all those names. But um, have you got a microphone? All right, I'm going to turn it over to you.
All right. Thanks, Tracy. So if you'd like to just, just stay right in here when we're done in just a couple of minutes. And um, just since Tracy didn't say it, uh, Crew all operates based on raising their own funding. So her ministry is done by people who are supporting them, which Deidre and I are, are uh, grateful supporters of what she's doing. And I know many of you in here are as well. If you'd like to help support what's going on, you can do that. I want to pray with you, and then uh, we've got one more song we're going to do. But let me just, let me just tell you this. And being set apart, let me encourage you. Scripture, when it starts teaching us about what does it look like to follow Christ, is not meant to be a guilt checklist. Instead, it's meant to tell us what's going to be happening within us as we follow Christ. Those things are going to begin to change in you. And it's, you can choose to not be set apart in this world. And you will find that you will n- are not at peace. It's not about checking all the lists to make sure that you're acceptable to God. We've established that's not possible. But what happens when we don't live set apart is we do not have peace with God. And we will feel that. Our lives will feel chaotic. It will feel like we are lost and alone. And yet when we follow him and we choose to live set apart... That's when his peace comes in, no matter what's going on around us. So I encourage you to do that. Would you pray with me? Father, help us as your people to live set apart. I pray that you would show us within your world and within uh, all the things that are going on in ours that uh, what it looks like to not only uh, to experience your grace, but to experience that peace. I pray that we would not be a people who holds all that into ourselves, but we are generously willing to help others and show others. And Lord, I pray that you would help those in this room who are struggling through something right now. Peace is not something that they feel. That you would help them to take the steps that you lay out for them to walk the path that you say is good and what is right. Help us all to do that, even when it's painful, even when it's difficult, to trust you because you are the author of our salvation. You are the giver of unconditional grace to a people that love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.